Welcome to Center Stage with international opera star Pamela Kuhn. And now, here is your host, Pamela Kuhn. Hi, everyone, and the curtain is up on Center Stage with Pamela Kuhn. You know, I have many passions outside of my own music making. As you may or may not know, outside of this radio show, I am a singer, a conductor of the Master Singers, and my beloved Angel Choir, both 501c3 charity organizations. And I'm a voice teacher, and most importantly, I'm an advocate for my young professional singers. So what do I do in my downtime? Well, as many of you know, I am a committed shopper. I love shopping in all forms, clothes, shoesies, jewelry. I feel like it's an art form in itself, and it's how I relax. But let's get down to my other passion, which is the really important one. It is that of film and the visual image. I absolutely love the cinema experience. In fact, I really should have become a film historian in this second half of my life. I haven't entered a film school yet, though NYU seems to always beckon to me. I think if I did, I would specialize in the area for, of music for film and scoring. But before I run off and register for classes, I can share with you a, a bit of my knowledge in the magic of the film music industry. We recently walked down that road already with my previous installment on the incredible work of the visionary composer for film, Bernard Hermann. This was the composer who is considered to be the auteur, the composer who set a new standard in bettering film by composing a film score that assumed as much importance as the movie director's own work. I can still hear the elegiac music from the film The Ghost and Mrs. Muir still wafting through my mind. And it was Bernard Herrmann who encouraged one of the composers who I'm going to feature today to write his first orchestral piece. And that is the talented and prolific John Williams, the hero of modern, lush symphonic writing for film, the box office partner of director Steven Spielberg, with film scores such as Jaws, E.T., Jurassic Park, Schindler's List, and Sugarland Express. But I'm going to bring in another composer today who seems to express a similar lyricism who, like John Williams, manages to speak for the actors with music of sophisticated sentimentality. And that is the Italian impresario Ennio Morricone, composer of the spaghetti westerns of Sergio Leone, establishing an operatic pace to the art of the western and to the distinctive Italian directors beyond Leone. Two distinctly different composers. Or are they? Let me put it out there that I am of the opinion that these two giants are drawn together by the common denominator of the American-style Western, believe it or not. The spirit of heroism in the face of evil, using big themes often associated with the scope and drama of the working cowboy. And if we want cowboys, we need look no further than Star Wars for a pleasant ride along with Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, and the gang. Both composers carry us happily along with a lush return to the romantic style in orchestration. In 1977, when the original Star Wars was released, we diehard Star Wars fans couldn't get enough of a good thing. I personally waited in line in Westwood, California, in Los Angeles in 1977 and would eventually see the film 13 times that year. It was the 
first time that I had experienced a masterpiece film score that was unprecedented in its classical approach. It was as if the specter of composer Richard Strauss was sitting on John Williams' shoulders, giving him divine spiritus. In the original Star Wars, we all recognized that the perfect marriage of drama and music together was the gripping aspect of the adrenaline rush. Let's listen to John Williams' most awarded recording, the main title from Star Wars A New Hope. This is ably performed by the London Symphony Orchestra. You are going to hear triumph, Wagnerian leitmotifs, romanticism, giddiness, and a leaning towards a classical structure that is intended. In the case of Star Wars, John Williams has the talent of taking electronic sounds and humanizing the effect. This is a far cry from Bernard Herrmann's score, The Day the Earth Stood Still. Maestro Williams immediately draws us into the hero's journey, but this mirrors John Williams the man. His work ethic is incredible. He also set a high standard using symphony orchestras to record his music, championing the London Symphony Orchestra. He gave us the thrilling concert hall presence to his film scores. His music for the Star Wars prequel, The Phantom Menace, was two hours of music, 1,000 pages of orchestral score, which was recorded at Abbey Road Studios in London in 16 three-hour sessions. With Williams, the film score became the symphonic masterpiece. But with an eccentric and contrasting musical leaning, Ennio Morricone gave us the symphonic style with Fender Stratocasters, whistling as an art form, harmonicas, Jew harps, 
the human voice, and all manner of percussion. Let's listen for a moment to that kind of outing in an actual Western for a few dollars more. Stay with Ennio Morricone now for a moment. We're going to hear one of my favorite soundtracks in the world of film. That's from Once Upon a Time in the West, directed by Sergio Leone. In the partnership of Leone and Morricone, no moments were as sophisticated or as operatic in pacing and breadth as this movie. They hold us in an almost stasis-like pose. The music was so important to Leone that he had it played back on set to the actors for inspiration. This is a throwback to Bernard Herrmann. The starlet, Claudia Cardinale, said that the on-set music was the most important feature of Leone's direction and that even the most hardened technicians were moved to tears in the lushness of the leitmotive themes. Now let's listen to the main theme from Once Upon a Time in the West, but this time we'll have a different interpreter. A few years ago, Morricone and cellist Yo-Yo Ma worked together on a CD recording of Morricone's favorite themes as realized for cello solo with orchestra. This was a feature that Morricone loved, highlighting certain solo instruments to tell the stories when the actors did not speak. In Once Upon a Time in the West, this technique was utilized to an operatic-paced extreme. Now here is Yo-Yo Ma, Ennio Morricone, and the Roma Sinfonietta Orchestra.
We hear the vastness of the undiscovered West in this movie, the femininity of our heroine, and more importantly, longing. We don't mind being held hostage when the expanse of music and visual artistry in the filmmaking is this keen. It is suddenly a visceral experience. The vastness of the American West is well painted by Leone with extended moments of nothing but the music to serve as the director while the camera pans over the horizons and into the lead character's eyes. We are bathed in longing in Morricone's lush score. And again, as in Williams' writing, with leitmotifs that guide us from scene to scene and introduce individual characters. When Steven Spielberg hired John Williams to score the film Jaws, he rejected the idea of a two-note phrase that symbolized the shark. Luckily for us, John Williams talked him out of that, and we have today the menacing and minimal theme that is instantly recognizable. It promotes a feeling of threat to the pursued and the pursuers. This is a profound example of minimalism being used as an agitator. Hermann did it with endless unsettled rhythms in North by Northwest and in Psycho. John Williams carries the torch here with an economic musical minimalism that is almost inconceivable. But the two notes worked. Many of you may not know that Steven Spielberg himself is a good amateur clarinetist. He actually sat in with the orchestra on the recording of the score for Jaws. Let's listen now to the score that punctuated a filmmaker and a composer's life to the tune of Incredible Stardom.
The dignity of Maestro Williams' symphonic integrity can be summed up in the film score to Jaws. It was written with terror-inducing atonality, violent and heroic orchestral expressionism, expansive seafaring melodies, and a full-blown fugue. What more do we want in a film about the shark as the bad guy? But like I, I said originally, they're all cowboys, aren't they? My Greenwich-based choir, the Master Singers, recently performed an evening of film music at the Greenwich Arts Center. As we performed, we projected clips from the movies that we highlighted. It was a nice touch. One of our highlights from that performance is one of Morricone's most enduring melodies. It is the theme from the movie The Mission, Roland Joffe's film about Jesuit priests trying to protect South American Indians. In our vocal arrangement entitled Nella Fantasia, we presented a melody that simply is the film. The mission brought Morricone's film music to widespread international attention after the success of his spaghetti western scores. It utilized a solo oboe over a lush orchestral background. Here is that theme as realized by Yo-Yo Ma again on cello. It has recently been announced that John Williams will be honored with a Lifetime Achievement Award from the American Film Institute next year. He will be the first composer to be awarded the prize by the AFI. He has written over 150 film scores, has a massive list of awards ranging from the Kennedy Center Honors to the BAFTAs. He has conducted almost every major orchestra in the world and continues to churn out music at age 83. The AFI, in their announcement, said, John Williams has written the soundtrack to our lives. Note by note, through chord and chorus, his genius for marrying music with movies has elevated the art form to symphonic levels and inspired generations of audiences to be enriched by the magic of the movies. In his recent work composing the score for the highly anticipated seventh installment of Star Wars, the Force Awakens, he collaborates with the young and prodigious film director J.J. Abrams. But he went a step further this time in the preparation of the recorded music. He invited the conductor of the Los Angeles Philharmonic, Gustavo Dudamel, to conduct the opening and end title music for the film. The rest of the score was recorded over a six-month period by Williams himself. Dudamel said of John Williams, He is the Mozart of our day. 
I was stunned by his genius. Ennio Morricone, at 88 years of age, is currently on a world tour honoring his music and championing the performances of live musicians rather than the present-day tendency to use computer-enhanced musical performance in film. He was presented with an honorary Oscar in 2007 by Clint Eastwood for his lifetime of work. He has never lived in Hollywood. He says, Rome is my home and I am better off there. He has supplied Quentin Tarantino with the score of his new Western, The Hateful Eight. I'm sure it will be loaded with a brand of theme blazing that we are accustomed to with Ennio Morricone and that Mr. Tarantino has sometimes parodied in his previous films. The interesting fact is that both of these composers seem to grow broader with age rather than resting on their laurels. To prove that with John Williams, let's experience the haunting melody from Schindler's List. His compositional technique could not be more different in this film than from those he has produced before. There is a marked depth and seriousness with strong attention given to the orchestral strings and solo violin. Again, the vision of Spielberg and Williams is overwhelming with focus to the heart of the soul. Enlisting the solo violin work of Itzhak Perlman, let's listen to this heavenly theme. And for Ennio Morricone, let's turn to the death scene from the Brian De Palma film, The Untouchables. In a gripping scene with the murder of the feisty Irish cop played so well by Sean Connery, his partners are left with the pain of reality of death and separation. De Palma usually orchestrates violent scenes with music, but this time he takes a leaf from Sergio Leone. He lets the music speak alone, and the haunting quality is painted with a solo saxophone. So here, ladies and gentlemen, we will end today with the music of Ennio Morricone from The Untouchables. ¶¶ 